0: Hey, welcome back guys. Uh, This is the Indian Diaspora podcast. This is episode 13, uh, lucky 13 always. Um, And to celebrate this very lucky event, uh, we're gonna talk about our experience of driving both in India and then having to relearn driving uh, when coming out to the West. Uh, We've got Vijay and Neeraj, and this is your host Shashi. Uh, Vishwas is not available with us today, but we're gonna talk about our experiences today. So uh, all of us, all of us learned to drive in India. And that's one experience and then you come to the west and certainly when i started taking driving lessons here in the uk the first thing that my driving instructor told me is that i had to unlearn all the bad habits that i learned in india before i could get a driving driver's license here uh, i suspect that's a very common experience uh neeraj how's life been for you you are in car central in florida yeah, actually. what's your experience
1: so for me, it was the other way. I never drove a car in India. I drove a scooter or, or a moped, right? So two-wheeler. So when I came to US, I did not know car driving. And for my first year, I did not even drive a car. Now, because we lived so close to the campus, the campus buses were good enough. But over the time, uh, we needed a car to just to do groceries and just meet friends and hang out. So I learned that driving... And good thing is I didn't have to unlearn anything about it, <laughs> but the idea of staying on the right side of the road was definitely uh, uh, challenging. Just by intuition, by uh, you know practice, you were like trying to steer towards the left. But the funniest part was car buying experience, not the car driving experience, and I will elaborate that later. So I just want to hear what Vijay's side of the story is, because I think Vijay has some uh, really good anecdotes to tell us right now.
0: Vijay, go for it.
1: <laughs> so
2: I, my experience is very similar to Neeraj in the sense that there was not a lot to unlearn. but my my driver's life story when I, when I got one was, was quite funny. My dad said, hey, it's time for you to learn driving. Uh, let's put you in a driving school. So I was in Delhi at the time in my high school days. And uh, I guess... High school days or college days, I'm trying to remember when, probably high school days. And um, the driving school instructor said, very good, we'll teach your son, you know, this is how much it costs, it's so many weeks uh, of driving lessons, but you know what, the process of getting the driver's license can be complicated and nowadays it's happening very smoothly. So why don't we first get you your license and then we'll also teach you how to drive a car. So (laughs) he literally took me to the, what was the, I guess the DMV there in Delhi, and uh, uh, there was another uh, middle-aged lady with me who was also a student, I guess, and both of us were supposed to get our license that day. So he said, come on, let's fill out these forms. So filled out the forms. And then he said, uh, in Hindi, (laughs) so it was winter, so just go out and enjoy the sunlight uh, for some time, and then I'll tell you what to do next. So I said, okay, maybe he's lining up the guy who will take me in a car or something. And after half an hour, he comes and says, you guys have passed your test, here are the papers, Uh, you need to go inside now and get your license. So I said, oh, it's all done. So we go in and get a laminated license to get a picture taken. And voila, I had a 20 year driving license uh, that came out of uh, thin air. And then for the next few weeks, I learned how to drive. So that's how I got my license. But I never really drove around much uh, while I was in India. So uh, the first real experience of sort of, having to decide how, what to do and get on the road really happened in the US. And that whole process was similar to, I'm sure everybody else go get your perm, you know, the learner's permit by passing the test, and, you know, learning the, the manual and then going in, actually taking the test. I uh, had a very good friend who allowed me to practice in her car, but I soon realized that stick shift was harder than automatic. Uh, so finally I uh, managed to use a rental car, believe it or not in those days, to go and take the test, which was very easy. And that's how I started driving. But yeah, my my process of actually getting a license uh, for the first time was uh, <laughs> was backward, I would say.
0: I learned driving when oh. I was only about fifteen or sixteen. I think I was probably probably fifteen.
1: <laughs> you had a you had a Fiat Premier, right, Padmani?
0: We we had a Fiat. Yeah, we had a black Fiat uh, that my dad had had for many years. Um, and so uh, you know, when I was about fifteen or sixteen, he taught me how to drive and. I didn't have a license, but and I, I, you know, I didn't used to go very far from home, but I used to drive. And, you know, in India, I mean, it's become a little bit tighter these days, but back in those days, the only time that somebody asked you for your license was if something went wrong. So if you had an accident or something of that kind, then somebody would look for your license. Otherwise, frankly, who cared? And that's why, you know, the running joke in India was always that uh, a driver's license was a license to kill because nobody looked for your license until, you know, you had done something of that kind. And then I had a, sort of distant cousin who's, uh, these these people, um, they, they were part of the sort of Department of Motor Vehicles or RTO or whatever it's called. Um, and they knew that I was driving. So they got me a license. I never had to do anything. So, you know, this, this distant uncle, you know, he took me out on the road one day to see, well, let's see how you drive. And that was it. 10 minutes later, he said, fine, you know, I'll get you a license. And that was how I got my license. So I actually did used to drive in India. And uh, Never, I mean, I only learned driving from my dad or from my uncles, never actually formally learned driving. I never knew what the rules of the road were, apart from what I was told by my dad. Um, but I used to drive everywhere in India. I used to drive in Rachi, I used to drive, you know, when I got to Delhi, I used to, I didn't have a car, but, you know, when I needed to drive, I could drive in Delhi as well. So for me, actually, I had to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff when I finally started driving in London. Nira, you were saying something.
1: I actually learned driving in the U.S., but I drive in India now a lot, right? So for me, it was not an earn-earning thing. And one of the things my dad asked me, like, how can you drive in India? Not only it, because he's been to U.S., you know, it's orderly means signaling, stop lights, stop signs, and all those things. I said, I have only one rule to drive in India which is save my ass. If I can do that, I'm pretty much a good driver in India. Uh, but for me, part of learning uh, driving in India was not related with the handling of the car. I actually drove stick shift in the U.S. for a really, really long time. So handling stick shift was not a problem. But managing... In India, it was the other way. I had tendency to steer to the right, go towards the right side of the road, thinking, you know, U.S. way. And... Uh, First time I got on the highway, I can tell you I was very, very scared. I had no idea what to expect, and I was driving like a chicken. Uh, But over the time, slowly built the confidence. So one time I drove briefly from Agra to Alwar, where I live, and recently I drove from Alwar to Jaipur. But I can tell you, all this time when I was driving, as much as I was able to get 100 kilometers per hour speed, I was scared for my life, even though, you know, I was very confident what I was doing. So for me, it's the, it's the other way around. I learned to drive in US and then learned to drive in India.
0: So, so, you know, uh, <clears throat> I do drive in India now, but when I got to the US, uh, so I was in Boston, I didn't have a car. I didn't need a car, to be honest. Uh, but at one point I decided that I should probably go and get a driver's license so the hilarious thing was that the when I went to get my driver's permit the learner's permit I was in the queue with all these 15 and a half year old kids you know like literally the day you turn 15 and a half you apply for for your learner's permit and I was I was not that old but I was a lot older than these kids And then my driving test in Boston I have to say was a total joke uh I got taken into a car parking lot and was basically allowed but asked to drive back and forth um to see whether I could maneuver the car. And that was it. And I got my driver's license in the US. Uh, but coming to the UK, uh, I didn't have a car in the UK for the, very, for the longest time. So I'd been here about 10 years, and I didn't have a car. And in fact, I didn't have a driver's license either. Uh, my US license was still valid, I mean, technically. Uh, but I didn't have a driver's license in the UK. So <clears throat> 10 years in, I finally decided that I needed to get a car. And for that, I had to get a driver's license. And here, the driving tests are tough. You know, you cannot get away with that kind of driving around in a car park and all that. They test you for parallel parking. They test you for all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, emergency stops in the middle of the highway. Um, you know, merging into um, a 70 mile an hour—actually, not 70, 50 mile an hour—road and all that kind of stuff. It's not for the faint-hearted, and it's not something that you can do without um, taking some driving lessons. So the first thing that the, driver, the driving instructor told me is, he looked at the way I was driving, he said, you know, you can drive, but you're never going to pass your test if you drive that way. So the first challenge was really unlearning everything. And, you know, just an example of that, <clears throat> in India, because people drive, you know, without any sort of sense of the rules, you have to be incredibly cautious about who's trying to cut into you. But, you know, who's behind you is not your problem. You know, so lo- looking into the rear view mirror in India is not your problem. It's for the person behind you. <laughs> but the, way, the way you drive here, you've got to look forward, you've got to look behind you. And you've got to sort of, sort of be aware of, your, um, of either side. But in India, you're continuously worried about who's going to cut into you from either side. So it's a very stressful experience. And when I started driving here, I used to have exactly the same thing. I'd see a car coming from the side. And my worry was always that the guy would not stop. Um, And uh, yeah, that was fun learning and unlearning driving here. So what I want to
1: ask you guys, your first road trip outside India. And to me, as much as learning, getting driver's license was part of the story, buying a used car and doing the first road trip.
2: So uh,
1: Vijay. What was your first road story? here Yeah,
2: I'm starting to remember exactly which one the first one was, but I used to do a lot of, uh, when I, I was in Delaware, right, and I used to visit uh, some of our friends in Boston, some of our actually mutual mutual hostel friends, uh, that used to be a fairly consistent, long trip, and uh, I can tell you that the sensation of having your own car, used car, whatever, I had a Tiny little Honda CRX, two-seater. <laughs> it's uh, fantastic in terms of uh, giving 50 miles to a gallon on the on the highway. Uh, but having this experience of, you know, seeing how we grew up and how uh, having a car was, you know, it was like a luxury item, right? And, it, you know, even my, my dad got his used premier. It wasn't even a premier Padmini. I think we had a premier president Fiat car, uh, which we had for some time. Uh, and, and came pretty late in his life, and then to be in grad school and to have your own car, uh, and you know driving on the highway, going to visit friends, very special feeling. So I I really have those fond memories, and uh, I used to always remember that I live in Connecticut now, and driving through uh, New Jersey and New York was chaotic, and the roads were not that great, and then you would hit Connecticut, and the highway suddenly became really beautiful. All the roads were nicely paved. You could see the nice bright yellow line down the middle of the highway. Uh, and then you hit, uh, eventually hit Mass Pike and you know get into Boston. And then you're terrified about uh, <laughs> getting... Boston's uh, quite an experience driving around if you don't know what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, getting onto Storrow Drive uh, from Mass Pike. And uh, uh, if you take a wrong turn, you have no idea. This, those are not the days of the GPS. Uh, <laughs> so when, you're, when you're lost, you're totally lost. Oh, yeah. It used to be fairly terrifying getting into the city. And I remember how nervous I was, and then finding parking, right? So you're used to being in a place like Delaware where you get parking wherever you go, except, you know, obviously on campus, but otherwise near your house, no problem. And then in Boston, you're asking your friend, where should I park and we're like, you get towed? And, and in those days, you could not afford paying the towing company uh, whatever they wanted for having taken your car away. So uh, all those things were in the back of your mind uh, as a grad student driving. But yeah, those were probably my. First experiences along.
1: <laughs> so, so is the big dig over in Boston or is it still going on?
2: It's been it's over for a while <laughs> and uh, they had yeah. the strategy supposedly that the tolls on Mass Pike were paying for the big dig, right? Yeah. And after the big dig was over, which by the way, totally transformed the way you get to Boston airport now. It used to be a complete nightmare and now it's a breeze. But they didn't stop taking the tolls. So I guess they realized that this was a great cash engine and they continued. But yeah, Boston's after the big day, it's been really easy. Now, the airport is a nightmare now. That whole area is being you know, constant construction. But getting to the airport has become really easy. So I'll, I'll tell you two stories. So we were
1: six uh, students together in two different apartments. And one of them graduated. So there were five of us. But we still kept two apartments. Uh, and there were three cars. So the first car we bought was uh, an old mobile Cutlass Sierra uh, with me and my roommate. My other roommate bought another car. So this Cutlass Sierra within three months caught fire, (laughs) went to garage, and the garage guy says, it'll take $800 to fix it. We just bought it for $300. (laughs) We're not going to spend $800 to fix it. We said, keep it. So the guy kept the car. The the second one was a funny story. Virginia Tech campus. It's a, it's in it's in the mountains. So if you have to get out, there are some smaller hills that you have to go climb up on the road. I mean, and then go out. So those are pretty steep, pretty steep, in a uh, almost like five percent, seven percent grade. So we had another smaller car. I forgot the brand, but it was sort of Geo Metro. Geo Metro is what Maruti 800 is. Look, you know, uh, was back then also. So we're going down the hill. Car is going really good speed. It's a 55-mile zone. We are going 65, 70. We are happy that this tiny car can take four people down the hill at that speed. But when the hill ended and it started coming back up, the car started stuttering. Barely 100 feet up the hill, it caught fire. <laughs> so we had to leave it on the highway, and it caught fire. By the time, we didn't have cell phones, so calling 911 was not an option. Uh, fire brigade eventually came, dozed the fire off, and they told us that we have to tow it. The towing was $300. So we quietly hitched hide back home, left the car on the highway, hoping somebody would take it away. <laughs> but the car ended up at our parking lot and then we came, We got a bill for $300 to pay for it. So so for us, the, the, that was the experience of buying cheap used cars and having uh, both destroyed in some kind of fire or overheating accidents.
0: i got to tell you, you know, my first experience... Uh, soon after I got my driver's license, I rented a car, actually maybe about a year after this, I rented a car because I had to make a trip from uh, Boston to a little village in Rhode Island. Now, think and Vijay, you know, I mean, I still have my grandfather's car in India. This car had not run for, this is like 1998, it hadn't run for 25 years at that point. And I was trying to fix it. And I found a whole bunch of spares dealers who stored spares for these old cars, including this one guy who lived in a little village called Little Compton in Rhode Island, but I had to go and visit him. So that was my first experience of renting uh, a van in Boston and driving over all the way to Rhode Island, um, you know, literally in the middle of nowhere to get these pairs for my car. By the way, there's a long history behind my grandfather's car. Uh, It's been in the family since 1947. uh, And that's actually how my father learned driving. uh, Vijay. Vijay, you've you know you've now live in a you know small town. Uh, how does it feel for you going back to India with your driving experience of the US very organized? You've lived in India. How was it actually driving back in India?
2: So it's funny you ask that question because um, I'll tell you two stories. Right, the first one is just going back to India. So I had been in the US for just two years as a as a graduate student. So you would say. Hey, you spent 21 years in India growing up, and now you've spent two years in the U.S., so uh, your 21-year experience should uh, should still be handy. But it's, it's quite funny. I went back, visited my parents in Hyderabad, and this is not about driving. This is about simply crossing the road. Uh, we had to go to a, s- a shop, and my dad parked on the other side of the road, and it's a busy road with a divider, and you have to just cross over. And uh, So he says, let's go. And so before I know it, he's crossed the road. And I'm standing on the side of the road, looking at these cars coming and these trucks coming, and I'm taking three steps in and taking and going back, and he's he's just looking with this. Uh, he, he had this complete look of incomprehension from the other side, saying, "What is my son doing? What is why is he crossing the road?" And I'm like, "All these vehicles," which is kind of weird, right? Because. I used to do that all the time. You know, when I was in Delhi, I used to um, jump on DTC buses and all that. But somehow I had lost a lot of those skills living in this uh, campus town in Delaware. And something similar happened to me a few years later when I was in Mumbai crossing the road. And it's funny because I'm trying to cross the road and all these two-wheelers are coming and they all aiming straight at me. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? And the reason they're aiming at me is because they know that By the time to get to where I am, I'm already past that point. So I just had completely lost those instincts. So to really talk about driving in India, my first real chance to do that was when I went back with my family as an expat in 2012. So that was many years after spending, uh, you know, what I came here in 93. So almost 20 years after coming to the U.S. uh, was the first time like, okay, you're going to spend a few years here. Do you want to get a license? And I decided not to. So my company provided me a car with a driver and uh, Bangalore traffic is crazy. And I just said, you know, I don't want to drive here. So I made the decision not to drive while I was in Bangalore. Those three years, I was driven around all the time. Now, interestingly, my wife, um, who uh, uh, quit her job here when we went and then was starting to look for something in, in Bangalore said, I can't wait uh, till the driver drops you to your office and comes back because it was a long drive to the factory. So I need transportation. So we ended up buying her a car and she had to go to the Bangalore office and get a license uh, through an agent or whatever. And then she started working for a startup there and she drove during our entire time there. And if we had to go out for anything where we didn't have the driver, she's the police to drive. The only time I drove was inside our community uh, once with our uh, automatic transmission uh, Hyundai, but she's the one who used to drive outside if we did not have have the driver. And her experience over those three years, it was incredible. We were living in Whitefield, which is considered the outskirts of Bangalore, but now no longer, I mean, it's as crazy. And in the three years that we were there, uh, her commute to her office, which was just, I don't know, three kilometers away, uh, in the beginning was about 20 minutes. And by the time we left, it was 45 minutes to, to a, wow. a three kilometer commute. So it wow. got really crazy. And it was it was quite frustrating because uh, I think her biggest pain was, uh, I think, you as you described, this is what you do. You you take care of yourself and everybody else takes care of themselves. But it's all sorts of gridlock and craziness. And she used to just hate how nobody would even give an inch when it made a lot of sense to just allow the other yeah. person to go. <laughs> so, I think coming back to the us uh, she was yeah, happy con-
1: you know yeah the concept of luck in India is very ridiculous people somebody's trying to save their 10 seconds don't realize that their 10 seconds are costing about 60 seconds for 20 different 20 cars behind them right or, or or perpendicular to them so so that that concept does not exist
0: you know Vijay, i mean I try every time I'm back in india I try driving even if it's only a little bit. Because, you know, there's this thing about if you lose your nerve once, uh, you'll never be able to drive back in India. And it's the same thing with crossing the road. Now, you know, your story is hilarious. I'll I'll tell you something interesting. So we were in Egypt six years ago. Um, And so you arrived late in the night. In the morning, I asked the concierge to, um, you know, go to the museum. And, you know, I mean, I selected the hotel, right, because the, the Cairo Museum was right next to it. But he said to me that there's a very complicated road layout and I won't be able to cross the road. And he was going to send somebody with me to escort me to the museum. So I said, oh, OK, you know, new country, new system, new everything. So this guy comes along with us and he's doing exactly what we do in India in the middle of a busy highway. He just puts up his hand and all the traffic stops and we cross. And I was thinking, hey, this is just like India. I don't need this escort. And, and you know, we went back and forth to the museum a few times. And I started doing exactly the same thing in Cairo that I would have done in India. So you know, this is not just an India issue. Well, lots of places in the world. That's the way the system works.
2: Yeah, and, and by the <laughs> way, I mean, good, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm. You know, we've, we've all traveled, right? And my work took me extensively to different parts of the world, including Asia and, uh, you know, China. You know, <laughs> driving there in Shanghai, etc., was fairly, fairly uh, orderly. But then, you as know, you sort of. Start hitting the outskirts, you start seeing more chaos, and you start seeing that also in other parts of the uh, yep. of the of Asia. But then even in Europe, right? If you depending on, uh, you know, Paris was pretty crazy at times driving there. Uh, and I think in the end, you're right, Shashi. If if you're used to uh, operating in that environment, uh, you can make it. Uh, but if you get used to driving in the environments that I, I'm, you know, my commute itself here was pretty short. I'm generally. I'm not a fan of driving. I don't like doing long distance driving, except if I'm in a national park or something. It's never been something I've enjoyed. And I think over time, I have got to the point where I say, look, uh, it's just jangling my nerves. So if there's somebody else who's willing to do it and uh, understands the environment and I can pay them a little bit to do it, uh, that's the path I'm going to take. And I'm going to use my, my uh, set my brain and my nerves to rest and do something else with it. So, but you're right. You, you can lose that pretty quickly. And I think your idea of uh, staying fresh is, is a good one.
1: Yeah. So, so while we are we are joking about it, I can tell you two couple of incidents that actually almost costed people's life, right? So, uh, one of them is crossing the road. We did not realize, and actually, if you are entering highway in the United States, it clearly says that what cannot enter the highways, right? It clearly says no pedestrian, no you know manual bicycles, no animals, something like that. It has very clear warning signs. And I actually had a friend in Virginia Tech who decided to jog. And on jogging, he took a ramp. And, you know, the, his concept was that I need to go against the traffic. So he took the, he started jogging and took the exit ramp and going on the highway facing the traffic. And he got pulled over. He got immediately pulled over by the cops, asking him, was he like suicidal? What was he trying to do? Why would he be jogging on, a, on an interstate? So he was sort of, uh, he explained the situation. The cops put him on the car, brought him home, said, don't ever do that again. The second incident was uh, we had gone to a mountain lake, a lake uh, that's on the top of the mountains. It's not the same one where they shot uh, Dances with the Wolves, but has the same name uh, in in Virginia. So the the friends of us, we came down. There were two or three cars. And the, the car ahead of us, the very first car, at a stop sign, turned left, but left into the incoming facing traffic. And as soon as he turned left, there was a 16-wheeler coming right in front of him so he had to immediately put on shoulder and he missed it by barely inches there were four people in there and we were like totally shocked shell shocked not able to move of course the cops came asked him what he did and i mean so so these incidences have actually had situation where uh, people have narrowly uh, lost their lives, and 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 we actually, you know, that we also lost our one of our batchmates in a serious car accident back in '90s, right? So, so this, uh, there have been a lot of funny anecdotes, but I know that uh, people make sometimes not necessarily stupid, intentionally, but the lack of knowledge, the lack of how it should work, has created some chaos, even for uh, for us here.
0: You know, I mean, I think Neeraj, I mean, I've worked in the transport field for for the last 20 years. This has been a huge issue of my life. Um, Transport safety is a very big issue. And, you know, joking aside, the way people drive in India is chaotic and it leads to a very high fatality rate. Um, The per capita fatality rate in India is seven or eight times higher than what we've got in the UK. And interestingly, uh, obviously, people die in car accidents. But the vast majority of these people who are dying are in on scooters and motorcycles and pedestrians. So there is a real cost to this kind of chaotic, you know, unorganized kind of driving. And it's not fully understood. And actually, the worst part of the road fatality problem is that the bulk of the people who die, uh, if you look at their demographics, they are usually men of the age group of 18 to 45. You know, so some of the most productive people in society are being killed through road accidents. And the economic cost of this is enormous and not fully appreciated. So, you know, I mean, it's all good fun to joke about this, but there is a serious side to this as well.
2: I think the, the, the age group that you're describing, Shashi, is <laughs> it's very relevant, right? So I think driving is one of the few things we do today in our lives where we literally learn through making some bad decisions, right? So usually we've been so protected uh, from... Danger in anything new. At least I, I don't know if if cars were invented today, if they would be allowed because it's literally people uh maneuvering these high-speed objects. Uh, I've had a few close shaves. I'm sure all of you have, and uh, any one of those could have gone wrong, pretty bad. Now, it, it, going back to the uh, sort of the people who enforce the rules. You Neither. Know, I think you mentioned getting pulled over and stuff like that. Uh, has any any one of you got pulled over? I have an interesting story to tell about that. Not. It didn't happen to me, but to a couple of friends of ours. But then I'd like to see if you have some funny answers yeah, so, uh, But this... Stop. Hey, one, let me tell you this to yeah. first. So this was... This, <laughs> we had this cool idea that when we're on the highway, we want to all drive together. But how do you know if, uh, uh, you know, the person you're following... I mean, how do you keep track of the other car? Because there's so much traffic. And so the idea was we'll keep using our, our flashers. And that way, you know, people will know that, uh, oh, uh, that that car with the flashers is my friend. So now I need to go back behind him. So these guys are driving. Friends of mine were doing this and they were driving really fast. And the cops pulled over one of the cars uh, saying you were driving too fast. And then the other car, a friend saw him and he pulled up behind them and parked on the, uh, parked on the shoulder. So the cop went and first ticketed this car and then he said, why are you guys standing here? He said, "Oh, we were uh, going together. We were with our friends." And so he ticketed it at them too because you're <laughs> together. You're all probably driving at the same speed. So that was a funny incident of getting pulled over. Now I have personally been pulled over only once. It was pretty benign. But I know there are some interesting stories, especially about Indians just jumping out of cars. So can you? Did you guys ever get pulled I,
1: I, over? <laughs> I have a funny story. <clears throat> so, for, not for me, but you know, so. To, uh, I've been pulled over for speeding and some of the violations and I've on, you know, quietly taken the ticket, never, ever argued with the cops. <clears throat> if I, if I was wrong, I was wrong. And if I was right, you know, I would, I will have my day in the court. So, so there's no point arguing with the police officer, just take the damn ticket and, and, you know, don't, don't insult them. Don't fight with them. But <clears throat> the reverse side of it, that at Virginia Tech, I taught a lot of people driving. I was there for seven years to the point where I thought I would probably retire in Virginia Tech campus. Uh, So one of the guys is driving close to the campus. And again, this was not cell phone days. So you had to just get the stories from the passengers in the car. So he's driving on Route 460 and there's a car behind him, cop car behind him. Starts the blinkers on. This guy does not stop. He keeps going. Then now there are two cars. Now there are four cars, cop cars behind him, and he's not pulling over. He's still driving so finally they box him in, and by boxing him they push him over the shoulder, the highways block, guns drawn, and the and he comes out, the cops tell him, get back in the car, get back in the car. They finally ask him and they say, Okay, we started showing our lights. Why did you not pull over? I mean, after they check him, everything is fine. And he goes, like, how do I know you are real cops? <laughs> <laughs> Like there are four of us with the lights on, so I mean there are things like this where people are not experienced, they don't know how to handle situations uh again, this is funny in retrospect, but he could have been shot i'm not, not and I'm not trying to make it like a political issue, but yeah, yeah. he was essentially fleeing, and he drove almost two yeah. and three miles from four cop cars, so yeah
0: you know i've I've never been pulled by a cop. I mean, I don't drive very much to start off with, but I've never been pulled pulled up by a cop. I have had a speeding ticket once, but that was all resolved online. Uh, But, you know, turning to a different topic, um, teaching your children to drive and their attitudes towards driving. Uh, I say this because, you know, my son's not 20. He has zero interest in driving. You know, growing up in London, in a city with very good public transport, he's been on public transport since he was born. Uh, shows absolutely no interest in driving, so we 've been pushing him to get driving lessons to get a, a license, not least because if he ends up you know, working or traveling to some place where there 's no public transport he you know, 'll be stuck but it 's incredible you know London is a place where I think there 's something like forty percent of people under the age of, sort of between the age of eighteen and twenty five who are eligible for a driver 's license have no license and have no inclination to get one either. Um, how are your children taking it? Um, you know, they're all coming to be an, of an age where they can start driving.
2: Yeah, so uh, my son just got his license uh, a few months ago. He became eligible. So he's uh, a senior in high school now. He was, in the beginning, extremely excited about his permit. And he had the exactly you know, you need to do 120 days of uh, driving lessons and you can go and Get a license, but as we got into it, <laughs> life got busy. He sort of uh, pulled back a little and said, Yeah, I, you know, I, I want to get it, but I'm not so much in a hurry. Uh, but then, when once he got his license, uh, he's really enjoyed being on the road. He you know, he, he drives to uh, high school every day, uh, only on days when both my wife and I need the car. He doesn't get a car otherwise, we didn't get him his own car, he just said, Use one of our cars. Uh, he has been very eager to do errands. Uh, so he's like, oh, you need to go to the grocery store to pick up stuff. I can do that. So he's generally enjoyed. I think he enjoys the experience of driving. Like he, when he drives, he likes to keep the windows down, have the sunroof open. Uh, just feels good about being on the road. He's always been a kid who likes uh, uh, sports cars and stuff like that. He knows all the models. He follows Formula One and all that stuff. Told totally. me that's not how you're driving my car, but uh, he's generally been. Interested in cars, and I think now that he gets behind the wheel and gets to be on the road, he seems to be enjoying it. Now, you know, if he go, once he goes to college, depending on where he ends up, he may or may or may, or may or not need a car. Uh, but it's been uh, it's been actually somewhat liberating. It's now we we have one more person who can actually hit the road and do errands and stuff like that, and he seems to be fairly happy to do it.
0: Deirdre,
1: my case, so uh, Arjun, my son, became eligible. Uh, in 2021 to have, you know, have the license and he was, he got it earlier this year. And he, to Vijay's point, he totally enjoys it. Uh, He goes to his uh, uh, football games. Uh, uh, He goes to the football games for both his school and his friend's school that is right behind us. Uh, And the funniest thing is our daughter uses him as a shopper all the time. Like, hey Dada, I need to go get some groceries or can you take me to my friend's place? And he's more than happy to oblige Of course, he's not rolling down the windows and sunroof. Uh, He's been given a 2010 or 2011 Honda Odyssey. There's not much fun drive, but he's totally enjoying that. He likes to do errands with her and even sometimes with me. But the funniest part is when I'm driving and he just comes and sits in the back seat, back row. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm not your shopper anymore. You're a driver. Come sit next to me on the passenger seat. And like oh my legs are hurting and i'm tired i want to take a nap and then i'm like no no come come front and watch the road but he's thoroughly enjoying it my daughter's looking forward to get her driver's license uh the my scary part is florida florida is well known is like very <clears throat> infamous for poor driving and i've had a couple of accidents my wife actually was in serious accident two months back so so there's that downside of Florida driving that I, that worries me. But most of the time they're driving within 10 mile radius, no more than 15 mile radius. So I can be there if needed, and uh, I'm hoping that they would learn and eventually use this experience. But now when they go to college, yeah, that's a very good point. Like I, all the college campuses we have been to, they're not that drivers friendly, and some of the college campuses we have gone to are still. Heavily rely on bikes, whether it's you know bicycles or even motorized bicycles or mopeds, so I'm hoping that uh, the college his need for the car would be only to come home, not to just drive within the campus
2: yeah I think to your point about safety, you know this is something that all of us as parents worry about I've been pleasantly surprised by how much by the book my son generally has been like he you know when he was taking his lessons. He would correct me, and he would look at what are you doing, and I said, uh, you know, you by the way, I'm doing this, but you shouldn't do this. Uh, And then I realized, okay, that's not (laughs) a good way to set an example. But generally, he's uh, he's been fairly by the book. And there's only one time when I found that he was seeming like he was hurrying, and I said, don't hurry. And he said, oh, I'm late. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're late, that's something you have to manage outside. Uh, But you can't drive fast just because you're late to something. So. In general, it has been good. And I think it also helps that we are in these smaller, you know, suburban locations. So I think it's a little more forgiving than being in a city. Uh, But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm I'm not scared. I I feel like he he seems to get it. And at some point, he just started it.
0: Hey, guys, that's been a great chat. Uh, I think this has been an interesting experience of our lives. Uh, You know, we'll pick up on a few more experiences of this kind, because this is all part of coming and learning how to live out in the West. Uh, Thanks very much Vijay and Neeraj for this um, and we'll see you all next week.